Welcome to the Your Lifestyle is Your Medicine podcast, where we do deep dives into the topics of mind, body, and spirit. And through these conversations, you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies to improve your health and ultimately add health span to your lifespan. I'm Ed Padgett. I'm an osteopath and exercise physiologist with a special interest in longevity. Now, when we talk about mind, body, and spirit, everyone seems to nod as though they understand. But the majority of people I ask about spirit seem to get a little uncomfortable. The closest lifestyle medicine comes to spirit is a focused on community and stress management. And for some, that might be enough. But for others, I feel there is a void that they are trying to fill. Today's guest is Amrit Singh. Now, he does not shy away from this topic. In fact, he actively embraces it. From an upbringing in Germany and a hard-parting lifestyle, he made a U-turn and found Kundalini Yoga. After practicing it for about five years, he decided to move to India to deepen his exploration of both yoga and meditation. After 20 years there, he left India and has recently moved to Valle de Bravo in Mexico. His experience with yoga and meditation allow him to work one-on-one with clients with a special focus on supporting people to create the freedom they need while doing what they love. Amrit, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ed. All right, I'm just going to go straight for it. I'm going to ask you what I think is a tough question. You may find it easy. I don't know. But do you think the world is suffering from a spiritual crisis? Beautiful question. I love it because a, a crisis is such a beautiful thing, in my opinion, because it allows us, you know, when our body goes into crisis, it's usually to resolve something and allow for it to grow. We can resist that and we can fight it and we can pretend it's not there and just say like, no, I'm not in crisis, but that just makes things worse. So when when we go into crisis, it's a time to slow down. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to go inwards and it's a time to start listening because the crisis is a little bit of a of a signal. Right. It's a little bit like when you have a refrigerator and you got that red warning light blinking and you're like, oh, my God, my refrigerator is in crisis. Mm-hmm. And so you call up the me- mechanic and he comes over and he's like, I got this. And he pulls out his pliers and he cuts that little wire to the red light and see crisis averted. It's not blinking anymore. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, my God, no, that's not what I needed. You know, I wanted to know what is the root cause Why do I have that headache? Why is my back hurting? Why am I having issues with my body? Why am I having issues with connecting deeply with something which I know is inside of me, something I remember from when I was a little child, something I remember from these beautiful, special moments in my life when I deeply, deeply connected. And that's really you know, where I see the world being in, in crisis around spirituality. Because I think, you know, if we look back 5,000, 10,000 years, there was a lot of spirituality in the world. You know, every little community had their shaman, they mm-hmm. practice nature medicine, they practice connecting with the spirits in some way. And then over the last, you know, two, 3,000 years, it was kind of this more patriarchal male society with the religion, with the rules, with the standard, really taking this monopoly on, on spirituality. And I think it, it really just got stale. You know, I think that's a big problem. A lot of the religions are having right now is they're having this big outpour of people that 
the young generation is just not interested anymore yeah. they're like hey this, this is not what i want i get more spiritual connection from watching videos on tiktok than i get from going to church or going to my temple or doing whatever i do mm -hmm. so for me i get this a lot just the way i look you know with my beard and my turban I, i was deep in a religious practice for many years but i stepped out of that now because i realized this this was just a limiting container for me which was super helpful because it allowed me to really connect deeply with myself but it became limiting and so now I'm really, you know, I'd, I don't want to just be seen as a Sikh and I don't want to be, be defined like that. I want to be seen as a spiritual being having a human experience on this planet. Beautiful. So let, let's look at that a little bit. So would you say you are a Sikh? I mean, you, you, you're wearing the turban, you have the beard, but you, you, you don't want to be defined as a Sikh. That's an interesting sort of contradiction. Yeah, I realized I really like my beard. So I'm like, I'm keeping it. Okay. And I got long hair, you know, which is one of the Sikh traditions. And I really like my long hair. And wearing a turban is a super convenient way to, to manage your hair. Right. And so I really just enjoy it. It helps me deeply in my meditative practices. Mm. So I'm really using it as a tool. Mm. And so for me, I don't know. I, I, I still love the word Sikh because it really in translation means student and spiritual seeker. Mm -hmm. And I see myself as a student, but I don't want to just be limited to this narrow religious group. So I don't enjoy much going to the temple. I don't enjoy much, you know, being in the community of other Sikhs, which is very, you know, like all the religious communities, mm -hmm. you know, the Christians like to hang with the Christians, mm -hmm. the Jews go together with the Jews and that's okay because I've been there for so many years myself, but now I'm excited about talking to other people from other religions, talking to people who don't have, you know, who are atheists, talking to people who just believe in the religion of nature. That's what excites me. And that's where I find my true spirituality. Mm, interesting. I also find that in organized religions, if you have a spiritual experience and you're not the priest, that's generally not accepted. You know, mm. I'm, I was raised Catholic and my mother is a sort of born again Christian. And, you know, she would speak in tongues and, and have all sorts of information downloaded from, um, you know, from, from the Lord, she would say. And some people were very embracing of that. And she found her community, but other than more traditional Catholics were, they weren't happy with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because it's scary. And it pushes them out of their comfort zone and it doesn't fit into that narrow little slice of reality. Mm -hmm. And and that's perfectly okay. But that's also why why I walked away from that and I have such a broader approach. And I think it's so amazing to talk to people who have practiced other spiritual paths than I have and find all the beautiful similarities and find how we're all doing the same thing and how we're all on the way back to source energy, no matter if we call it God, Allah, or Jehovah. And, and it really doesn't matter because it's all the same thing. In the end. And that's for me like such a, a beautiful inspiration of really encourage more people to connect with their inner spirituality. Because like I said already a little bit earlier, I really strongly feel that we're not humans looking for a spiritual experience from the outside. You know, we are the spiritual beings 
taking on this human body when we incarnate into our little body, you know, into our mother's belly. And we're coming here for this human experience. And this human experience is all about duality. It's all about, you know, having good days, having bad days, you know, going through hardship, having high, amazing emotions. And, and that's what we came here for. We didn't come here to sit uh, in a cave on the mountaintop and meditate for 200 years and, you know, have our body wither away while we are going into deeper spiritual connection. You know, we got plenty of that before we came. Mm -hmm. So someone once said to me, very wise person said, you know, a lot of the, the, the spiritual gurus have it backwards. And I was like, what do you mean? He says, well, if you spend this, he calls it earth walk. If you spend this time on earth seeking spiritual enlightenment, you're missing the point that you're already enlightened and you've spent eternity <laughs> as a spirit. I love this it. Is your, yeah, this is your time as a physical being. So enjoy the taste and the feelings and the, mm -hmm. you know, the pain and the anger and all that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. you don't get to, to get to experience that as a spirit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes, you know, like people are taking these, the, the psychedelic mushrooms or the ayahuasca, myself included, maybe trying to have a spiritual experience, but actually we don't need that. We, we are that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that because, and I really love the earth walk because yeah. it is it's like such a great way of explaining what we're all doing here. And this is, this is something which is actually big in my work is where I always bring people back to this point. Hey, you don't have to try to chase spirituality. You don't have to try to find God. It's all there already. Mm -hmm. Just get out of the way and enjoy it and just be with it. And it's such a beautiful experience. Do you find, you know, bringing back to the original question, do you find people are trying to chase something that they feel like is missing in their lives? Yeah, yeah, because I think we are trained to chase you know we're trained to chase money we're trained to chase the american dream of having the big house and owning it and then having your two cars and having your kids in college right this we're trained and conditioned to chase because our parents were chasers our grandparents were chasers our great-grandparents were chasers and it's really this you know, it's also the people who have survived and had children and had their families survive were the chasers. They were the ones who were out there, you know, chopping wood and and uh, pickling their, their carrots and hunting the deer and making sure there was enough for everybody so the next generation would survive. So we're dealing with this now. We're dealing with this generational imprint of being a chaser. Mm. And so this it's very counterintuitive to say like, hey, you got it all already. You don't have to chase, you know, prosperity and abundance is right there with you. You just have to trust and go inwards and, and really connect with your heart and connect with your authentic self and everything comes to you. Mm. So for me, I, I have a lot of compassion for being a chaser because I'm still till today a chaser in some certain parts of my life. And I, I have compassion for myself and it's a healing journey and it's a process. And so what, when you have a client come to you, they, you know, you're saying that you, you can help them have freedom and do what they want to, to do, to live in joy and love. But what is the thing that brings them to you? What's the sort of the commonality? Have you have you noticed that? It's interesting because 
it's almost never the the real work we're going to end up doing at right. the end which is connecting to the heart connecting to authentic self connecting to identity because i realized if i would be leading with that people would just be oh my god that the weird guy with weird and the turban is right over my head that's not right. a connection so what i find is where i connect with people is when i say hey are you struggling with your health you know are things not well in your body do you want to make changes? And they're like, oh my God, yeah, I want to make changes. You know, I want to exercise more. I want to eat better and I can't bring myself. So we start talking about that the first two, three sessions. And then very quickly we come to, why do you want to make those changes? And then it comes to, oh, because I want to be closer to myself. I want to be more connected with myself. And the same thing, like I get a lot of clients who are help in their relationships. So they come to me and they say, oh my God, in my relationship with my wife, it's just, she is so horrible and she this and she that and they keep pointing their finger. And then we talk about that a little and then they very quickly realize that in order to improve their relationship, they need to step it up. Mm -hmm. Because as we all know, we have been in a relationship before, You know, even though we wish for that magic wand, we could just point at our partner and transform them into these beautiful beings which will never piss us off and never upset us and always do the right thing. And they are just wishing for that same stuff to point at us, right? But when you come to that point, especially in long-term relationships, I think we all realized that no matter how hard we try, we cannot change our partner, right? We can maybe like twist their arm and they change for a little bit, but that backfires or we can you know, be all pouty and be like, yeah, you're not nice to me. So I'm, you know, but ultimately the only way to achieve change in your partner is if they voluntarily choose to change Mm -hmm. and then it's permanent and then it's real. And guess when they choose to change, when they see change in ourselves and when they see us showing up for the relationship and when they see us investing in the relationship and saying like i'm showing up i want to do something different you know like right now i'm working with a group of men who is coming together and we're doing this group coaching program where we inspire each other to show up for ourselves and then an extension to show up for our families and then extension show up for our kids And then an extension show up for our colleagues, for our bosses, for our friends, for our parents, right? The the ripple always goes bigger, but it starts with us showing up for ourselves. Yeah, I love it. There's um, there's a book called Conversations with God uh, with Neil Donald Walsh. I'm not sure. Oh, I love that book. Have you read that book? One of the first ones I read, yeah. Yes, it it was me too. It really sort of changed my perspective on things. So I t- t- totally recommend it to anyone who's listening, Neil Donald Walsh, uh, Conversations with God. There's a piece in there, he talks about relationships and it says, well, relationships are essentially selfish. And I read that line, I was like, what? And he says, well, if, mm-hmm. you, if you think about it, you come together and if you're not the best you can be, your partner is going to reflect that back at you. And so your, your partner is your sort of, well, your partner in this, this um, evolution. And if they are not the best they can be, you're going to let them know and so on. But if you both try and be the best you can be, you're both going to grow and become better, but you can't do that individually. So you go into a relationship 
to become better and it's a selfish motivation you do it for yourself and mm. I, I read that and I was like well that's such a different sort of perspective on relationships isn't it like most people from a um I guess we can call it like a, a non-spiritually evolved point of view they come in and say well I want to be in a relationship with that person to change them or mm. they say I want to be in a relationship with that person because they complete me and it's it's too much putting too much on your partner Whereas if you come into a relationship and say, okay, this is my opportunity to be the best version of me and I'm going to show this person that and they come in with the same intention, it, it could be beautiful. Yeah, no, totally. And what comes to mind, which is so similar, is in so many religious or spiritual practice practices, there is this concept of selfless service, right? Where you do community service. And you go out there, I mean, Mother Teresa was the best example, right? Just giving all her life energy to serve and serve and serve. And when you really go deeply into that, that's a deeply selfish act. Because when I get to give over and over again, I'm getting so much more back than I'm putting out. Mm -hmm. And so that's what inspired these people who, like Mother Teresa, just you know, like try to sleep just as little hours as possible so she could be out there serving more people and serving more people over and over again. And it's a deeply selfish act, just the same way as serving in your relationship is a deeply selfish act. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, from, from the outside to the person you love the most, to then take the next step to yourself and to start deeply serving yourself as a selfish act, beautiful things happen mm. now, do you feel as though the spirit should be tested and, and and i'll explain what i mean so when we want to make a muscle stronger we exercise that muscle and when we want to make our mind stronger we exercise the mind and if we've got mind body spirit there's not much exercises for spirit if that makes sense but you talk about uh, how a spiritual discipline can make someone um, a better version yeah. of themselves is that, is that what we're talking about, exercises for spirit? Or can you help me understand? I like that. that. I like that. I never looked at it like that. But I, I like the concept of exercising spirit to mm. make it stronger. Because just like a muscle, it works the same way. I think one of the big issues which we're all dealing with is that probably 90% of those exercises are subconscious. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's this... Like when your child gets sick or a loved one dies or, you know, the love of your life suddenly tells you, hey, I found someone new, by the way, our relationship is over, I'm out. And that's when you start doubting spirit. You start doubting God. You know, you see 10,000 children died in Africa in some famine and you're like, how can there be a God? Mm -hmm. Right. That's those moments when the doubt comes in. And I think that doubt is kind of like a, a way of exercising spirit. And it's a little bit of a subconscious process. And so it's, it's not ideal because it's like all things that are subconscious. It just you, you cannot really connect your awareness to it. So what I found is there's there's many practices. And funny enough, all the religions have them. And all the, the pre-religious spiritual practices have them. You know, it's either they're spending the three nights alone in the forest and going through this process of, 
oh my god am i gonna die i'm gonna die you know what's gonna happen where i'm gonna find food but then to really recognize that you deeply trust mm-hmm. you know in the religions it's like you need to read this prayer five times a day and then you're like oh my god reading the prayer is so boring i don't want to read the prayer but again it's more of a conscious way of practicing the spirit muscle mm. and so ultimately it's just it's all just about strengthening spirit strengthening the connection strengthening this being tied to what's already there and just kind of recognizing it mm-hmm. and if someone's listening to this and they're we pique their interest and they're like okay right so yes i feel there's a, a void or i can hear this quiet voice but i don't quite know what to listen to is there a, a, an entry-level spiritual practice that you recommend or you teach there's so many beautiful things to do, mm. but I think the most entry level and something which I would recommend to everyone and you can practice right now in this moment is just to take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out and take a deep breath in again and take a deep breath out again and do it one more time and just really consciously connect to your breath. And again, subconsciously we're connected to our breath all day long but the moment you take 30 seconds to just get conscious of your breathing your mind starts calming down your shoulders relax a little bit your body goes out of this fight and flight response and you're just much more yourself and so that's the most beautiful spiritual practice and if you can do that outside in nature while you're going for a walk or you're just sitting on a bench somewhere even better mm-hmm. but that would be my recommendation that's so interesting yeah breath work is is so key to many of the meditation practices and the, even the martial arts practices and i think you've you've hit the nail on the head with just breathe yeah i mean and it's I, a beautiful I, thing to practice isn't it I, and i'm the nature aspect you know, when people say to me, well, I'm not so sure there's, there's uh, you know, spirit or they're uncertain about some sort of more creative forces in the universe, I suggest they go into nature and just look at, at a leaf or look at something that's not man-made and just yeah. be sort of overwhelmed by the awe of how perfect everything is. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And so with your work with, um, you work with men and women, is that right? Right now, I still work with men and women. I'm focusing more on going the direction to help men who are struggling in their relationships. Because I realized most of my clients who have been coming to me over the last couple of months were kind of those type of men. And I'm super excited about it because it's something I went through in my life. You know, I've been now married for 20 years. I broke through that pattern of, oh my God, you know, I need to stop trying to change my wife and step up my game and take some responsibility. And it really transformed my marriage. And so I'm so excited about sharing that because I feel this practicing in relationship is such a beautiful way. And how my teacher used to put it, he said, being married is the highest form of yoga because that's spirit practice every single day when you're just thinking like, oh my God, that person did it again. 
and obviously it has nothing to do with being married in the in the traditional sense but being in a committed relationship right yeah. and being and and it doesn't matter you know if you're straight if you're gay or whatever because a committed relationship is a committed relationship and you need to show up for another human being mm-hmm. and that's a big challenge because you ultimately have to really process what's going on inside of you you have to look at the things which are hard to look at which are so easy much easier to just blame on the other person and if you don't process that you start passing that on into the next generations you know if you have kids your kids will pick up your own patterns how we picked up our parents patterns mm-hmm. yeah and are these men all in their midlife that you find this is a sort of a, a, a a stage people go through or is it after a certain time in their marriage? no it, it is a stage it's about 35 to 55 what i found where where the men really say like you know my kids are not babies anymore mm-hmm. but they're still you know young teenagers we're still going to have them for 10 more years in the house my connection with my wife is getting worse by the day you know i'm seeing this gap opening mm-hmm. And my old approach of just being stoic and just say, like, I'll just wait three weeks till she calms down and then, you know, everything is okay, doesn't work because it produces the result of widening the gap. So what can I do to start closing the gap? Because I'm committed to my family. I'm committed to my children. I'm committed to this person i'm in love with or i used to be in love with and maybe i think i'm in love with now but every time i see her i just get upset and i want to fight right to take that responsibility and start making the change is such a beautiful thing because it doesn't need the other person in the relationship to also make a change because if you do the work your relationship is going to change and that's a beautiful thing that is beautiful so, Amrit, how can people find you if you've piqued their interest and they want to learn more from you? Um, one way to find me if you're a man and you are in a relationship and you're struggling is through marriagereconnectionroadmap.com. So we can add the link later, maybe yep. under I'll the podcast. So you can do that. Or you can also find me on coachingnow.info, which is my, my regular website. And that's also where where I take one-on-one clients. You know, if you're not a fit for that program, I'm also willing to work with people one-on-one on other aspects. And what's really important for me is to work with people who are willing to go deep and who want to come to their authentic self. And we can take the road through their business or through their health or through their relationship. And it really doesn't matter. You know, you're a man, you're a woman, it, it works. But I need that level of commitment because yeah. if that's not there, I'm not willing to invest my time because I think it will be a waste for both of us. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Amrit, for being on the show. That was very uh, enlightening and a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ed. Thank you for joining me in my conversation with Amrit Singh. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to and learning from this podcast, please leave a comment and you can leave a suggestion there for a future podcast guest as well. Additionally, in Apple, you can leave us up to a five-star review as well as a comment. If you want my direct help with any aspect of longevity and lifestyle medicine, you can send me an email at ed at edpaget.com or visit my website, edpaget.com. 
And while you're there, you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is packed full of great advice about lifestyle medicine and adding health span to your lifestyle.